1: hello everyone welcome back to road of His overtime on road of His radio brought to you by blue wire my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland and as always my co-host on the show is sean siegel he is my co-manager my co-drafter on today's show as we continue our draft in the best ball miniature tree tournament the draft has got off to an interesting start we're about halfway through we're going to see how things play out hopefully things are going to round out nicely for us it's always fun to record these drafts as we go to share the information both with our audience and our community but also when they do well like the team did with myself sean and blair's team last year coming second in the best ball tournament over at the ffpc so we're hoping to bring down one of those tournaments this year and Obviously, if we have it recorded, it makes for a lot of fun to listen back to. So maybe this could be that team in the Best Ball Mania 3 Tournament. Top prize over there in that competition is $2 million. So that will be a a nice little prize to take on at the end of the season. If you want to get involved over at Underdog, you can do so at underdogfantasy.com. If you use the code ROTOVIS while signing up for a new account, they will match your deposit up to $100 and give you a 100% sign-up bonus. Once again, that code is ROTOVIZ at underdogfantasy.com. But let's get straight into the rest of our draft as myself and Sean chase down that top prize. Derek Carr did go in the middle of this round at the 906. I know he's somebody you really like. Chase Edmonds went before that. Dallas Goddard just before that. But Russell Gage, uh, now with the Buccaneers, went at the 907. And then Alan Lazard at the 908. I know we're lucky there's no Devontae Adams there. And I love Alan Lazard as a, you know, a player for the Packers, but I, I think that's a, a real early spot when people are, are targeting him there. You mentioned that there was no kind of wide receivers that you were looking to take at that kind of last set of picks for us. The last one of those that would have been kind of close to the top is Chris O'Lave. Um, He's after going off at the nine oh nine. then Michael Gallup. And still on the board, we have the likes of Robert Woods and Chase Claypool. Um. Is is Claypool somebody who starts to get to that point where you're like, well, that might be interesting? Or are we looking at all those names that have kind of leaned out there as uh, you know players that we're not targeting? The other one that did go off the board was Christian Kirk, who I know we're not very excited about, even though uh, the Jaguars give him a huge amount of money this offseason. The player in this range um, that might be interesting, even though we've gone running backs earlier, is uh, Kareem Hunt and Devin Singletary. I think both could be interesting.
2: They could. And... We know we're looking to get to four running backs. If we have four powerful running backs, then you know that's be- better than not. So again, it's this question of, what are you giving up at wide receiver? If it truly is flat, even if the roster construction explorer encourages you to look at a different position there, if you're just actually giving up value on your board to hit the right construction, then that- that's not the way you play it, right? So we have to kind of merge those two instinct so those two objectives in this case. Kadarius Tony, somebody I think, has been pushed way down and still has this contingency based, extreme upside he's somebody i'll be looking at tyler boyd a player that connor and i selected i mean his adp is absurd and so again these are the types of players where we're thinking okay now that you're in this range the value is very very good rondell moore another player i mean he shouldn't still be available at this point we're not saying that he's going to be a superstar that we're necessarily right but the price that you're being asked to pay in order to find that out is very favorable because if he does break out, there are just so many different ways within the context of this offense that he would score a lot of points and be the fantasy factor. The second year wide receivers are so expensive now because people understand that hitting them is a key part of building dominant teams. We talked a little bit about that with the zero RB special early in the week, but that's why you have to be willing to take some of these guys who are a little bit unpopular and could do some of these things because you know, they're the ones where you still have that massive ADP gap in terms of what the price says that they're going to do and what they could do. I mean, it doesn't make sense to draft trendy players who already have all of that upside priced in at the point that you actually do go and get them. I like both of these guys in this context to have at least the potential to outperform, especially when you <laughs> contrast them with some of the really unfavorable names that come up Afterward, and we were quickly moving into the low ceiling portion of the draft. After this, and and just as a quick update, Tyler Boyd did go off the board.
1: Yeah, and when we look at it as well, just through the the players that are available, and looking at build, you know, we started off the running backs earlier in the draft, but I think when we look at it, the options there that I mentioned, the likes of Singletary, the likes of Hunt, there's a real nice option there in the kind of ninth tenth round for your kind of zero rb bills as well and in this range too you mentioned the flat kind of disgusting area wide receiver that we have kind of weighted our way through with the quarterbacks and um, there is some nice wide receiver options here in this round as well but you mentioned before we started about the possibility of having like the 106 as your kind of ideal pick for this that would give us some flexibility um but now we are in a situation where both ron delmore and Kadarius tony are there Sean, I'm going to say that my dream scenario here is that we get both of those guys in these next two picks. Who do you want to prioritize over the other here?
2: Well, even though Tony has been going early, right, he seems so unpopular that I think he has the better chance to fall through. I think maybe we take Rondell Moore. He's the player I'm I'm higher on, so it would make less sense probably to miss him.
1: Yeah, no, let's go Moore. And the other thing I'm looking at, and it mightn't matter, but the team picking here after us at the, the back end of the round here at the and then again at the 11-01. They have five receivers so far, but they do take Tony, so that didn't matter. They now have a 1-3-6-0 build, and they take Pat Fairmouth, which is a, a nice tight end to pick up at that point, Sean. So we're back on the clock. Kenny Holliday, is there any other options that are piquing your interest? Well, we could go
2: with a tight end. It's never too early to take Albert O. It's also a situation where I think that either Jarvis Landry or Jamison Crowder is really interesting here. Crowder away to get some leverage off of those more popular
1: oh, writer, yeah.
2: those more popular bills wide receivers when I mean, he's basically a good version of cole beasley right now there are ways that this team could evolve this season to where they don't need him at all and so then you lose even kind of the The floor element there, but one of the things that Connor and I talked about a lot as we were making these picks and actually selected both Boyd and Crowder is that these guys end up being devalued in best ball leagues beyond where their scoring actually suggests they should go. They both still have the potential to score touchdowns. They're both with elite quarterbacks. And when people are trying to figure out a way to have a team that's in the finals that is different than the Rest of the group, if you're thinking that a lot of the teams that get through will be Diggs, Allen, Davis teams in some way, shape, or form, if you're thinking that at least one of the likely scenarios, and we don't know how the Bills will play in the fantasy semifinals, we don't know how the Bengals will play in the fantasy semifinals, but if you're looking at the Bengals and Burrow, Chase, Higgins as players who are very likely to factor into that, one of the ways that you can gain some leverage on them is to draft tyler boyd and jamison crowder guys who in a specific game could end up with a lot of receptions they could get that touchdown obviously connor defeated us in the ffpc final last year specifically because tyler boyd did score a touchdown i mean that was the margin that we lost by right and so boyd i think his adp is is really silly but jamison crowder a player that i actually think there's a scenario where he's more valuable than Boyd. A scenario where he actually becomes a target hog in that offense. I'm not saying it's the most likely scenario, but at this price, when you're looking at that kind of player, you know, I, I definitely want to take that gamble at least on some of these teams.
1: Yeah, and I, I think like what you're talking about there. You know, sometimes we talk about big gap and small gap running backs, and when we see that with wide receivers, we talked about T. Higgins. I believe it was in the third round. Jamar Chase going in the first round. So the gap down to tighter Boyd then is is obviously significant. And then we look at digs to Davis, and the thing keeps striking me with uh, Gabriel Davis heading into the season. I really like Gabriel Davis, and I drafted him all last offseason. was hoping for a big season for him in 2021. When we look back at the season as a whole, he had 35 receptions, just over 500 yards and six touchdowns. But he obviously had the massive playoff game, but he also had big games towards the end of the previous season. And, um, you know, does Crowder go in there and – you know just simply outscore him on the season um i think he could be getting a, a huge value there at the adp that he is going at so i've always thought that crowder was like a perman's jarvis landry kind of and uh, i think that he could be very interested in that bill's offense because we know that josh allen doesn't pass to the, the running backs a lot but he does like to scramble and you know those short to intermediate passes to somebody like a crowder could be could be really worthy in this offense so we are now nine picks away sean the question we have a bit of time i'm going to ask you we did pass up on on cousins as a potential third quarterback i'm asking you the question now are we going to risk it here and, and settle on the two quarterbacks take the upside approach and, and chance it with lance unless unless something falls to us perfectly the other player that would be coming up here is justin fields who just goes off the board but i have a lot of concerns around the the Bears offense this season and I think that'll obviously affect field so are you happy to roll with two quarterbacks in this draft or are you thinking about adding a third at some point I think since we got the two guys
2: in the window and both of them have extreme upside Matthew Stafford is not a player that I'm drafting a lot or targeting he's a little bit trickier in that you know Cooper Cup you've got to take with a top three or four pick Allen Robinson overvalued and so you have that situation where if you want to pair him with one of those receivers then you know that part of it becomes very expensive and so you know we're looking at going empty here with the quarterbacks i like that that's another way in which you can actually be different because stacking is so popular and one of the things that we do see again in the tools is that there are benefits depending on how you do it, but it also can be a little bit overstated. If you assume that the vast majority of the teams that are going to be through there are Stafford with Cup or Stafford with Robinson, then there's some advantage to being the team that has Stafford. Maybe the game goes in a little bit different fashion, or maybe just the rest of your team is able to overcome and you benefit from Stafford getting you there or Lance getting you there. You know, one of the things that was interesting last season was that, those top three teams in the FFPC finals, all of them had Burrow, but the other two teams had Chase and obviously Connors had both Chase and Boyd. We were able to overcome one of those Burrow-Chase teams and, you know, (laughs) a Jarvis Landry touchdown at the end there. We overcome the other one. I'm not saying that you necessarily want to go out of your way to not have your quarterbacks paired up, but it's another thing that you can do. And my main point is don't give away a ton of value thinking that you have to have that In there as part of it we see in the tools that there are other ways to do it but i think that once we've made that move with stafford and lance we have to kind of stick with it the tools are very clear that if you take the two qbs in the window that you don't want to take another one Colin, we're back on the clock and the top running backs are michael carter isaiah spiller this is a sort of a weird section at wide receiver but dj chark and van jefferson so we could put you know that third wide receiver with stafford if we wanted we could take irv smith we can take hunter henry uh what direction would you like to go
1: i think i would go isaiah spiller here um unless you're going somewhere else as we have two seconds left on the clock uh interested to find out what your thoughts will be in a minute on taking that pick as things have gone rapid fire and michael carter and irv smith have come off the board and we're back on the clock again and um, we missed out on albert O. hunter henry is there as an option at tight end is there any other players Peckins is there as well i'll let you pick this since i jumped on the spiller one i like the move here with dj chark he's
2: a player who i think is going to really find his second wind in this detroit lions offense there could end up being a ton of competition if Jamison williams is healthy early enough in the season to emerge as sort of a, a co number one with the three of them uh then that's going to reduce the ceiling specifically for chark who you would kind of imagine is going to be the number three at least long term in this offense but one of the things they've been talking about with his situation one of the reasons why he signed with detroit one of his frustrations with jacksonville is they were using him on a lot of vertical routes to clear out for other receivers and if you think that you can be the guy and chark was in that one fleeting season with the jaguars it you you want the routes to be designed such that you are also a focal point at times and he believes he's going to be more of that with the Detroit Lions you could also look at it from the perspective that if teams adjust and are looking to stymie that elite run that Amon Ross St. Brown went on at the end of last season and he's sort of the defensive focal point to start out 2022 you know Chark might be the guy who is able to develop a rapport with Jared Goff. Goff actually played okay down the stretch there might be some chances for some shots once he establishes up there in the first month perhaps more of that leaks through than maybe again the pricing indicates here not a lot of other great receiving options but van jefferson would have been a possibility will fuller has not signed yet but i still think it's an interesting guy jarvis landry was the player i was hoping would get back to us he went a little bit before our pick I think he's the preferred way to play the New Orleans Saints when you look at the different ways that offense could play out and the prices of the three main receivers there. Jahan Dotson, just another interesting guy. We're not high on him, but when you're looking at the receivers, and again, in these tournaments, we're focusing on players who actually have a wide range of outcomes, even if the floor isn't that great. We don't want to reach for them, but when they fall like Dotson does in most of these formats, then that portion of it is a little bit interesting. You mentioned that we had lost tight end. Uh, Gerald Everett and Noah Fant, our, our favorite guys, would be
1: two players who might come back around. That was what I was wondering when I was mentioning those players earlier. You obviously have the board up in front of you as the you know, latest ADP, and I'm, I'm going through a, an Excel sheet that I have here from uh, a couple of days ago, and I, I was thinking wonder wherever it is on this board for for sean when i mentioned those tight ends so yeah i definitely think both of those guys um hopefully we, we get at least one of them you never know possibly dip in to two of them but you mentioned Jahan dodson he is now still on the board his adp is 142 we are at pick 158 as things stand and we are nine picks away so if he did get back i think that he would be somebody there you mentioned will fuller not having signed we are kind of at his ADP, but by the time we pick, we'll be about ten picks past that. Um, obviously, the concern there is a lot of these wide receivers. Uh, Will Fuller's obviously younger than the likes of Julio Jones, but there, there's a lot of these guys who haven't got signed yet. But Jarvis Landry was one of those who fell into a pretty solid landing spot with the Saints. So it's always that thing of you know drafting them when they're not signed versus um, you know waiting to make sure they do actually get signed somewhere. Dodson does go about around after his ADP. We'll be waiting here to see. So, Sean, Will Fuller, I mentioned they're not being signed. Is that any concern of you, you know, taking him at this point? And then you mentioned the the tight ends. I think they are the guys that we do really want to get. But the other question I do have for you is Odell Beckham also goes off the board, and Van Jefferson, Odell Beckham, being one of those guys who isn't signed as well. Jarvis Landry was the guy last year who kind of could have in the second half of the final game of the season got us to that first place. He didn't do that. Are we putting that firmly now on Baker Mayfield? Have we forgiven Jarvis Landry at this point? You got to forgive Jarvis, right? I mean, he's one of the the best
2: wide receivers of the last decade, and Baker Mayfield probably hasn't earned that uh, type of congratulations yet. We'll we'll see how this develops. I, I I do like the situation there with the New Orleans Saints. I'm skeptical about that offense in general, but I do think there'll be some uh, playable pieces, right? So we'll we'll see how he's able to work his way into the rotation there. You get the impression that Michael Thomas definitely still has some questions, which is not the case that I think you want to have. If you are buying Thomas in some of these drafts, Collin, we're, we're close again. Fuller still there. Joshua Palmer. We mentioned that situation with the charters. We might take that shot with Gerald Everett instead. KJ Hamler, one of our favorites, Robbie Anderson, one of our favorites, we talk about some of these deep threats getting overdrafted at times in the best ball leagues, but I do think that when you have a chance to get some decent values on them, like we did with Chark, like we put, could potentially have with Hamler and Anderson, you don't want to pass those up either. A couple of rookies, Jalen Tolbert and Wandale Robinson. Already the puff pieces on Wandale have been very enthusiastic, and he's a guy where I've just been stunned at where he's going
1: in rookie drafts. It's been much too low. Yeah, I think he's much too low as well. And he has somebody that I think, you know, you mentioned a couple of names there. We can't, we can't not get uh, KJ Hamler here in this draft, as, you know, if, if anything is possible. But we are back on the clock, and Taysom Hill has gone off the board. Am, am I making a mistake here, or is Gerald Everett, has he just disappeared into thin air? Well, he just he goes very late, right? He goes very late,
2: and so I'll have a lot. It'll probably be the wrong play. It'll probably be my version of the fantasy douches, Jerry Cook, the tilting at rain, at uh, windmills. <laughs> you can tilt at them too, I guess. Tilting at windmills, kind of throughout the player's career.
1: I'm just gonna say this: if if Taysom Hill is going ahead of Gerald Everett, I, I don't think that's going to play out to the Taysom Hills drafters' advantage this season. <laughs>
0: I was just like, Fanta's gone right. I mean, Fanta at... off
1: the board, Fanta's has off the board, now Taysom Hill has gone off the board, where is Gerald Everett? I joked on this on the recent draft I did with Zach, sometimes when we're doing these drafts I'm wondering, have we missed some critical news, has, has something happened since we started drafting? But uh, Sammy Watkins goes off the board, Jameis Winston went off the board just before that, we're back on the clock, Kenneth Gainwell is here, and he's somebody that you and Ben talked about recently, how are you feeling about Gainwell at this point? I think we need to make sure we
2: get the rest of our wide receivers. The four running backs are probably the limit with that particular start. I don't know. I just we have got to get Hamler. Go <laughs> we're gonna Gou. have we're gonna have that uh, that Denver Broncos offense covered. Yeah, I, I think we want to stay at the four running backs, is that unless we get to the last pick and running back is so clearly better. But one of the things that Blair talked about in his early underdog piece is that, again, hyper fragile is possible, but you have to stop. You got to test, stop taking those running backs. You've got to fill up the wide receiver position with so many guys. And it can be tempting to think, okay, these wide receivers will never run out, but then. You, know, you get into this stretch here where we're in the 15th round now anybody who has lost track a little bit of where that we are but between our picks at the beginning of round 15 at the end of round 16 a big chunk of these top wide receivers will go and so we'll start to have to potentially look quite
1: deep as we fill out our last three slots yeah and just out of interest um with say a different build um Gainwell, i think is somebody that i'd be targeting there just for people listening gainwell would be somebody you're targeting there if it if it wasn't the case that we had the four running backs already
2: very definitely and it may be a situation where it would have been preferable to grab him at that spot and take a wide receiver where we took isaiah spiller but i do like spiller and if one of these sort of backup running backs ends up benefiting from an injury and again an injury we hope that doesn't happen
3: Are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
2: Spiller is just very easy to see as, you know, a running back 10 over the second half of the season and you say well that seems a little bit high there are some other good guys but think of how high rashad penny and devlin singletary you know sony michelle finished in the fantasy playoffs last season when a guy with starter talent falls into that starting role and gets hot at the right moment you know once the starter is not in the equation sometimes the workload profile is actually a little bit better for the backup than it is for the starter obviously that's an argument for zero rb as opposed to our hyper fragile approach but It is one of the reasons why I liked Isaiah Spiller where we selected him. Colin, we're right now with the first pick in round 16. That's where the draft is. We have 11 picks to wait on. The top of our board, or the players that I've at least put in the queue right now, are Joshua Palmer, Robbie Anderson, Julio Jones, Wondell Robinson, and LaVisca Chenault. Some of those guys will probably be picked, but who do you like for our Selections at 16 17 if they do last.
1: Yeah, Robbie Anderson did just go off on that next pick. Uh, Zamir White went just before that. I just want to say on Gainwell again, he went almost 20 spots after his ADP in this one. So almost two rounds. I think he's somebody that we should be targeting throughout the offseason. I think it's a, a good spot. Can you just run through those names again for me, Sean, as I was looking through the, the draft list? You mentioned Chenault and then I seen uh, all I could hear was Chenault after that point. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense that makes sense no uh, curtis samuel
2: donovan peoples jones john mechie uh, those are the top three in terms of best available our players in the queue are julio jones Wandell robinson Chenault, and then as people are getting picked i've added aj green james
1: washington and the packer romeo dubs yeah, I think some of these rookies are where I would be trying to tack on um, towards the end of the draft. I think just the upside, and you mentioned the puff pieces around Wendell Robinson. I think that like that's what's going to happen over the next, you know, three months or so. We're going to hear these coming out. We're going to see rounds and two rounds and three round jumps on some of these players, um, and that's going to, you know, be very good for us drafting them at this point. Um, so I would be leaning towards the rookies as we play things out. Um, Dobbs has been getting some interesting reviews i know you've been digging into him over the last uh, couple of weeks since he was drafted and i think like it may nothing may happen but the upside is is sky high with uh, with him heading into this season um i obviously want christian watson to come in and have a, a great start as a packer but it feels like it mightn't be all that surprising if uh dubs hits the ground running and is there ahead of him curtis samuel did go off the board Um, Are you feeling before we get back on our pick as Donable people as Jones goes um, that we should lean towards the rookies here to finish things out? Well, I mean,
2: Dubs is probably a little bit more of an 18th round pick, but the rest of the guys are more or less going. I think the AJ Green with the DeAndre Hopkins suspension is interesting just from the perspective of he's going to get you a few touchdowns in all likelihood. And so if you're trying to bank those points in a situation where you're drafting 10 wide receivers, he wouldn't make sense in a different type of bill, but he's a little bit uh, interesting here. But the main thing was my heart was beating very fast column, very fast as we were waiting for Wandale to either be available or not be available. He did make
1: it to our pick. We are
2: selecting him and we can breathe easy.
1: Yeah. Now he was the one we were hoping to to see what he last two there at this point. Now JD McKissick goes off the board. One more pick before it's back to us. Uh, there was a couple of players there that you did touch on, like Peoples Jones. Not just not all that excited heading into this season for a couple of those names that we mentioned. John Manchis there as well. Just you know, obviously somebody's going to score points for the Houston Texans this season, but will it be many points? Uh, it doesn't really feel like it. Jared Goff goes off the board now, Sean. So we have our our options again. Um, who are we looking at here?
2: Well, I think this probably comes down to Levisca Chenault versus James Washington. Right, Washington, a player who was buried behind good wide receivers in Pittsburgh, and a bad QB. And so that combination is really the worst. He's going to not be buried, at least at the start of the season, and have a much better quarterback in Dallas. So that's an interesting play. But, I mean, do we want to pass on Chenault?
1: Well, I'll let you do it. You can break my heart if you want. And Sean goes with Chenault. A, I think that's – and I was joking earlier with the TJ Hawkinson pick because I wanted TJ Hawkinson every bit as much as Sean wanted to draft him. But – um. I, I just—I don't think I'll be able to give up, Sean. It would be one thing if Chenault was going in the you know twelfth round, thirteenth round. He's going here at the seventeen oh two. And last season, I was drafting him. You know, I think maybe up as far as the fifth round at one point, which just obviously didn't work out <laughs> last season. Um, do you think there is hope of a reclamation project there? You mentioned the situation of the bad quarterback situation stuck behind wide receivers in Pittsburgh. Um, for Washington but you know sh- that last season for Jacksonville with Urban Meyer there was just I don't know couldn't have gone any worse you know you have a, a first round or a top pick in the, the draft coming in as a proposed general uh generational quarterback and just everything falls apart obviously we have Etienne who missed the entire season through injury but you know I still I'm still holding out some hope there for Loviska Chenault
2: yeah, I mean, it's a tricky one, right? Because you look at what he did last year and he did not get open down the field and he did not catch the ball well anywhere. And so...
1: He got himself into such a situation that you're starting to tie AJ Green ahead of him. That's why... Well, what to be
2: clear, we did not draft AJ Green. But... <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I think you have to be realistic about it. One of the pieces that curtis was working on at one point i think something came up we didn't get it published at that juncture but looking at some of these wide receivers who broke the most tackles and gained the most yards after contacts a little bit different than after the catch using the advanced stat explorer that we have which is such a cool tool to have there chanel still shows up and that's one of the things that people are looking for from him is to be a physical wide receiver to catch the ball to generate yards after the catch and to fill that role for a team now when i'm looking at chanel's i'm thinking a little bit about being on tyler boyd going in his third year when he was you know virtually free you can go back a little bit longer and you can think of the situation where i mean Devonte adams did not break out through his first two seasons and people were looking at that as a bus Yeah, well, I mean, not a bust maybe at the level of Chenault still, but a player who was like very much just a guy. Now, you can always go through and look at the handful of examples that would point to someone having the chance to break out. That doesn't mean that they're likely to break out or likely to be good. But with Chenault, one of the things that has happened here is that the Jaguars did not actually add good wide receivers. And so he still is in a situation where if he himself plays well, there's an opportunity and that's what you want. And I think that there is the potential for that. If that happens and we start to get news to that effect, then he can stay in Jacksonville and have his price rise dramatically. Now dramatically, it's still going to be pretty expensive, but a, you know, a two, three, four round rise. You get a little bit of a benefit from that. If you draft early, the other thing that could happen is the overall offense could be vastly improved. And as you mentioned, um, Trevor Lawrence could take a step forward which would help all of those players tremendously and then there's still the the slight potential that he would get moved now we expected that to happen at this point if it were going to happen that doesn't mean that it's completely ruled out if he does move to a different team then I mean a lot of the situations he could potentially move to would be kind of fun right and you're thinking fresh start this team wants him this team thinks that they know how to use him that's going to give him a little bit of a bump too. So I think there's room for his price to rise. There's definitely room for him to outperform it since, you know, at this point he's not free. I mean, these players here, you still need to make good picks, but it's not like you're passing on some other star at this price. So I think that there are a lot of things still in play to where he makes sense in fantasy. We've got to be realistic. It's probably not going to pay off, but we're trying to get a lot of different shots with our 10 wide receivers
1: yeah i think and uh, i'm looking at this point for upside um you know young players and upside and obviously not technically as young as a rookie uh would be coming in here but i still think there is upside i'm, I'm hoping that there's upside there for trevor lawrence so you know he's gonna if he if he does step forward this year it's going to have to bring a couple of those pass catchers with them in terms of overall uh, trajectory and um, we are Sean now four picks away we have two quarterbacks four running backs nine wide receivers two tight ends at this point so sean run to the final pick now off the draft it is the 18-11 we have two quarterbacks four running backs nine wide receivers and two tight ends there was a run of tight ends there in brevin jordan austin hooper and cameron Britt. we are two picks away are we looking to get that 10th wide receiver or is there any options here at tight end that would be of interest
2: I don't think so. I think that anything we might have wanted to do to add another QB or tight end has dried up. And so we're down to the last pick only one pick ahead of us. And I think there are three names here that are pretty fun. Three rookie wide receivers, Romeo dubs who we talked about at the last draft spot potentially. And then Tyquan Thornton, who is a top 50 uh, overall selection for the new England Patriots a vertical threat. Someone that you could easily see Mac Jones creating a rapport with early. And again, You don't want to overpay for vertical wide receivers in best ball, but if they do fall to you at the very end, you have to at least consider them. And then Khalil Shakir is an interesting player. Since we took Jamison Crowder, he would be the guy that pushes Crowder out in all likelihood. I mean, there are some scenarios where they could play together. There are some scenarios where a different player would get hurt, but you would definitely be in position to benefit from that third Buffalo receiver if you went that route I like all three of these guys, Colin. Who do you prefer?
1: I was gonna say you let me take uh Vesca, so you can pick here. Um, I would lean Dubs or Dubs, but um, yeah, that's, that's but uh, I didn't know how you were gonna pick. Did you do that pick um just because of it being um Green Bay related, or or how how did you come to that? Do you do you have him ahead of those other two guys? I think
2: all three of those picks would be good. And I did select dubs because I'm drafting with a Green Bay Packers super fan. It wouldn't be very friendly to go with a patriot or a bill when we have a packers guy there and and i like that play i think that there is the potential for him to be the guy in Green bay this season now one of the things that we're probably looking at if christian watson does not emerge is that nobody will really end up being the guy and you've got kind of this mismatch of let's say wide receiver threes who are out there all doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And the offense flows a little bit more through the running backs and flows through Aaron Rodgers' genius, as opposed to through uh, any sort of dominant wide receiver at the same time. Love the profile. He's somebody written about multiple times on the site. He's one of the guys I feature in my discount rookie article where I'm looking at guys. You can select if you don't have a first round pick, and potentially get at least the value maybe more if things break the right way so we do like dubs we like that situation and as we close out the draft in the 18th round with our 10th wide receiver i think either any of those three guys will work obviously if we have the wrong one in week 17 and and fall from two million dollars to one million dollars because we selected the wrong round 18 wide receiver will be disappointed i mean splitting 1 million does not go as far but yeah you got to live with your choices
1: yeah we'll see how that plays out but yeah um i i think that we talked earlier about the likes of jameson crowder versus gabriel davis and you know some of those options of how things could play out you know i i mentioned during the draft about alan lazard and where he went off the board you know i i I don't think you're getting a you know, double round discount, probably 10 round discount after that pick went off. So or nine rounds actually when it comes to mind. But I think that we could see uh, Dubs outscore him there. But that is going to take us to the end of our draft episode. As I mentioned at the start of the show, if you are using Underdog Fantasy or you're signing up for the first time, you can use a new account to get a 100% sign up bonus and they will match your deposit up to $100 with the code Rotoviz. Don't miss out with that. But that was a fun episode to bring you this Saturday. Hopefully you've enjoyed listening in and getting our thoughts as we go through those players. We had three shows this week, and Sean and Ben obviously had their great Seed and Bananas episodes as well. Lots of content up on Rotoviz Radio as well from the flagship show and all the other teams with the great podcast there. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime and my co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out all of Sean's work up on Rotoviz.com. And until we're back with another podcast, have a good one.